Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see you. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And you know what? I pray that you are well and that you are strong and that you are settled and that you are ready for a great morning in the house of God. And we've had beautiful worship and we've heard from those on on the couch, Pastor Brian and others and that. So Father God, here we are. And you know what? I just wanna say from the very outset how much Brian and I appreciate you. And he gets to give lots of expression to that. But honestly, we appreciate and we value and we're so grateful for each and every one of you. You are a, a remarkable church and it is our greatest joy to, um, to do life with you and to pastor you and to love on you, and especially this morning. And you know what? Every time I bring the Word of God, um, my constant prayer church, is that it will be God's Word that goes forth, not my words or my sentiment or my thoughts necessarily, but it it will be actually God's Word. And like it says in Isaiah, that um, His Word will go forth, it shall not return void, and it shall accomplish what He has purposed. And you know what? I believe that God has an agenda for today in His Word. And in a moment, I'm gonna pray for us. But again, can I just encourage us that this Word is remarkable. You know, it is the Word of God. It is the breath of God. It is both um, anchor and compass. It has the capacity to anchor our souls. No matter what we're going through in life, it has the capacity to be our compass and to be our true north. It has the capacity to be, it is light in the darkness and it is love in the chaos. And again, I don't know if you're experiencing any chaos in life, but this Word is yours in Jesus' Name. And it also is precise. It's precise and it is accurate. It has the capacity to encourage, to exhort, to edify, which simply means to be built up. It has the capacity to um, to challenge us at times and also transform. And church, you know, I've said this many times and I wanna say it again, that you know, the two things in life that transform us are literally the presence of God and the Word of God. And you know, our worship in these days is so critically important. Do you know, if this was a normal week, we would have just come out of the back of Hillsong Conference. And I think what is missing on the earth at the moment is the collective corporate worship of God's people, this roar that goes into the heavens and that changes the atmosphere. So you know what, we can't do that. But you know what, we can worship ourselves. And I wanna encourage you, even though we are scattered in homes and we're far and wide, may your worship still be strong. Find your worship and allow your worship to shape not only the atmosphere in your own heart and family and life, but the atmosphere on the earth in Jesus' Name, Amen. So let me pray for the Word this morning. Father, we thank You for this Word. We thank You that it is life. And Holy Spirit, right now, I ask that You just come and invade this space, this studio, our homes, and that, Father, You will bring this Word to life in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen. Absolutely. If you're on the chat line, why don't you write Amen into that chat line. Hallelujah. All right, you know what? Just as a... Just a little bit of foundation here. You know, in recent times, church, I have been compelled or felt compelled to talk about the, um, the nature of God, the irresistible nature of God. 
And you know, um, if you recall, if we just backtrack for one moment to colour, when we were gathered together, girls, um, I, I spoke a message about the irresistible nature of God. I said, the irresistible nature of God will um, always hear your cry. It will always draw you to the vineyard of His goodness. And it will always, it will never relinquish belief in you. The irresistible nature of this God that we worship in heaven will never relinquish belief in you. And then at Mother's Day, if you recall, and we were at the front end of the COVID season, I actually added a fourth to that. And I said, the irresistible nature of God sometimes will put us into isolation or put us into timeout in order to mature what is in us for the days that lie ahead. And if you remember, church, I drew an analogy of a parent putting a child in timeout because they love them. And you know, the nature of timeout is that you will either come out of that timeout or that isolation or that period, you'll either come out better for the experience or worse for the experience. So a child that is contrite, a child that is willing, will come out better for the experience. But a child that is angry, a child that chooses to kind of remain in rebellion is gonna come out worse for that experience. And I guess when we look at this world in all truthfulness, you know, when we look at the fact that in many ways as a, um, you know, a global community, we've been put in somewhat of a timeout, the jury is actually not out on that yet. And so, you know, we need to be praying that God is actually gonna have His way in our lives in Jesus' Name. But you know what, today, everyone's saying today, I wanna add a fifth thought to the irresistible nature of God. And I wanna say that I believe personally that the irresistible nature of God will always compel us towards um, choice that yields life. Did you get that? The irresistible nature of God will always draw us or compel us toward choice that actually yields life, which in some ways is to say, or to suggest that there might be choice that actually leads to something that is contrary to the heart of God. Do you know, I believe that one of the most remarkable and stunning attributes of God's nature and God's character is that He has actually created us with the capacity, with the dignity and with the freedom to choose. Think about that. He has created us with the capacity and with the dignity and with the freedom to choose. We are not um, robotic nobodies. We are actually sons and daughters of the living God. And He has dignified us and He has entrusted um, the ability for us to choose in life. You know, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, it records how God has placed um, life and death blessing and cursing before us. And then as if to infer that that decision might be difficult for some, He actually says, you know what? Choose life. So He puts this choice before us, life, death, blessing, cursing. And then He says, hey, by the way, if you're having trouble with this decision, let me tell you what to do. Let me guide you. Let me love you. Choose life. And so I just wanna read at the front end of these thoughts this morning from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm gonna read from verse 11 onwards for a little bit. And I'm reading from the Amplified this morning. So actually, uh, you know, the commentary says that um, I, I think humankind had been in process for a little bit. The human story was playing out to a degree. And then God comes and He brings His covenant promise to His people. And He does it through the mouth and the life of Moses. So let me just read verse 11 for you. 
It says, for this commandment, for this commandment that I command you this day is not too difficult for you, nor is it far off. Verse 12. It is not a secret laid up in heaven that you should say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the seas that you should say, who shall go over the seas for us and bring it to us again that we may hear and do it? Verse 14. But the Word, the Word of God, as in the precepts of God, the wisdom of God, the providential care of God. Verse 14, but the Word is very near to you in your mouth and in your mind and in your heart so that you can actually do it. Verse 15, it says, See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. Verse 16, If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His ordinances, then, everyone say then, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land into which you go to possess. Verse 17, are you still with me, church? But if your mind, here's the choice, but if your mind and your heart turn away and you will not hear but you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish and you shall not live long in the land which you pass over the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you. Do you know, church, we worship a God who is not against us, but He's also a no-nonsense loving Heavenly Father and He spells out life as actually it is. And so he says here, with tender loving care, I believe, I call heaven and earth to witness this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore, therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live. And verse 20, so that they also, your descendants, may love the Lord your God, obey His voice and cling to Him. For He is your life and the length of your days. Again, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and to Jacob. Now, church, that's a big passage of Scripture. And, you know, these verses may have been recorded in ancient times, but they still display the heart of a gracious and a good God whose desire is for us to live in blessing and not curse. So, church, here I am this this morning. And uh, I woke up a week or so ago with um, three questions um, presenting in my heart. Three questions presenting, I guess, to my own heart. Three questions presenting to what is our church, if I may. And three questions that actually could apply to the times in which we are living. Three, a threefold question, a threefold choice, if you will. In essence, I felt God say, you know what, you can choose. You can choose to unravel or unfold. You can choose to unravel or unveil, or you can choose to unravel or become. Did you hear that, church? Three choices, unravel or unfold, unravel or unveil, unravel or become. So I'm gonna speak to that for a few moments today, if you allow me. And so just let me define for a moment those words. You know, if you were to look quite literally at the word unravel, the word unravel actually suggests something that is twisted, 
that is tangled, that is complicated, that is actually ensnarled, which is actually a strong word. So imagine, for example, it's Christmas time. You wanna put the Christmas tree up and you're like, let's do the tree. And so you go, you get the Christmas decoration box, you open it and then suddenly you're like, who on earth put the Christmas lights away? Who put them away? They are a tangled, um, complicated mess. They're all tied up and, and what have you. Okay, I doubt that you would look at that, those Christmas tree lights in that moment and go, let's unfold them. You'd be more like, okay, we've got to unravel this mess. So that kind of suggests the tone of the word. If you were to look at the words unfold and unveil, they kind of have a different feel to them, a different tone. In essence, they're describing the, the unwrapping or the unpacking or the reveal of something that is actually quite beautiful, something that perhaps is hidden, something that actually has to be discovered. So again, imagine a gift. Someone prepares a beautiful gift for you. They wrap it, they ribbon it, it's gorgeous. They present it to you. Again, when receiving a gift, you're, I, I guess I, I doubt that you would say, oh, I'm just going to unravel this gift. Instead, you would say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open this gift. I'm gonna unwrap this gift. I'm gonna, um, you know, I'm gonna discover what is within it. You know, unless of course, um, this just came to mind today, but unless you're, of course, you're playing that game, that sort of pass the gift game. Does anyone still play that? I don't know if they still do. But you know, you have got this giant gift and there's a gift within the gift, within the gift, within the gift, and you pass it all around the room. And you know, maybe then you would look at it and go, you know, we need to unravel this. And then usually it starts out this big, it's huge. And then by the time it gets to the bottom, it's this big. And the person who wins is like so excited because they're like, yay, I just won like a toothpick or something. So we're talking about the difference of the tone of these words. Do you know, um, consider for, an exa- for example, an architect, an architect who sits down with a client or um, with the recipient of his design. I, I doubt that he would say, I'm going to unravel this to you. Instead, he would say, you know, we're gonna unfold this. We're gonna roll it out. We're gonna, well, you know what? In like manner, God is our master architect. He's our master builder who is unfolding our lives in the most spectacular way. Or if you think of the word unveil, when things are veiled, um, I don't know about you, church, but you know, um, sometimes you hear of people who have lived and loved the Lord Jesus Christ all of their lives and they get to the end of their life and they're in that, that place of transition from this world to the next. They're lingering between the two worlds. And often you will hear them say, it feels like there is a thin veil between this life and the next. That, you know, the the presence and the beauty and the magnitude of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ and all that that represents is just veiled for them in that moment. And then of course that word become um, is obvious. It literally means, um, to me, it means a maturity, a fulfilment, a coming of age. And so church, I have three prayers for us today in this context, if I may. Three prayers. And so first up, number one, and it's long, but my prayer is this that we will not unravel with a deteriorating world, but rather we will allow the will of God and the heart of God to unfold in our lives so that we can continue to be light in the darkness and truth for those who are searching for truth. Okay, it's a long statement. My desire is that we will not unravel with a world that in so many ways seems to be deteriorating, but rather we will allow God's will to unfold in our lives. Do you know, church, when I, when I think about this, um, you know, a world without Christ, 
um, is not a pretty place. It is not a pretty sight. It is, it is actually not an encouraging landscape, a world without Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle describes quite literally the characteristics and the nature of the latter days. And uh, I want to read it to you, if I may. Amen. So he's describing again. I'm talking here about the irresistible nature and characteristics of God Almighty. But here, the Apostle is describing, I believe prophetically, breath of God in his writing. He's describing the characteristics and the nature of the latter days. So in 2 Timothy 3.1, and I'm reading from the Passion, if I may. And it says, but you need to be aware all right, so there we go. We've got, a, we've got an exhortation to be aware, to not put our heads in the sand like an emu or an ostrich, but to be aware, to be aware, not fearful, but aware. So he says again, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centred lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families and they will be ungrateful and ungodly. Verse three, they will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. Okay, this is the Word of God, people. I'm not making this up. Verse four, with brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their own deceit or conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of a loving God. Verse five, they may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Verse seven, they are always learning, but never discover the revelation knowledge of truth. Verse eight, so it will be in the last days with those who reject faith, with their corrupt minds and arrogant hearts, standing against the truth of God. And then interestingly, verse nine says, but they will not advance for everyone will see their madness, just as they did with Jans and Yambres, which apparently were two characters who stood against Moses and stood against the plan of God um, for the true deliverance of God's people. So, you know, an incredible passage of Scripture and perhaps not what you were hoping to hear on a Sunday morning, but nevertheless. And you know what? I could actually read that passage again for dramatic effect, but I'm not going to. Here's the point. What we read here and what we see here is unsettling and it's disturbing, disturbing times. But here's the point. When we choose to be in Christ, when we choose, I'm talking about choice, when we choose um, life over death, when we choose God's ways over everything that is opposing and opposite, it literally creates life-giving contrast. It creates life-giving contrast. And contrast is what this world needs right now, church. Contrast is what the harvest that is pending, that is waiting, needs in Jesus' Name. And, you know, so just let me unpack this for one little minute. You know, in contrast, in contrast, for example, verse one, in contrast to a world that is, right, let me quote, fierce, self-centred, arrogant, mocking, Church, we get to seek after, we get to know, 
we get to live in the knowledge and the freedom and the fruit of a God who is altogether lovely, a God who is merciful, who is kind, who is gracious, who is forgiving, who is long-suffering. Just that word long-suffering, it's the fruit of the Spirit, a world that is long-suffering in Jesus' Name. You know, in contrast, if we were to look at verse 3, in contrast, in contrast to a world addicted to hate, I mean, those words are extremely strong. And I don't know if you um, sit in a remote landscape that is recipient of hatred, but it is out there. And so here, the Lord is saying, you know, is speaking to us in contrast to a world addicted to hate or full of brutal treachery, We get to live again anchored. We get to live in contrast. We get to live anchored in love eternal. We get to live anchored in peace that brings peace to our soul and our mind and our spirit and is tangible, tangible and felt for others. You know, in contrast to a world that delights um, in what is opposite to pleasing God, the God who actually created us, we get to align and we get to echo what pleases God and what ultimately leads to life. And so church, you know, again, I'm not here. I hope you can hear my spirit. I'm not here to speak doom and gloom. I'm not here to, um, to frighten or discourage, but I am here, if I may, as your pastor and your friend, I'm here to encourage us to be walking with discernment and with care in a world um, that we're forewarned about. You know, in um, the Old Testament book of Joel, the Old Testament prophet Joel, he prophesied, and I, I say it often, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And the context was latter day times as well. So multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, fine. But you know what? The message um, paraphrase is actually a little bit more colourful. It literally says mass confusion, mob uproar in decision valley, God's judgment day, has arrived in Decision Valley. And church, I'm not here to point judgment on humanity. Um, I'm here to point out two truths, two truths that we need to be mindful of going forward. Number one truth, there is an enemy out there whose sole intent is to steal, kill and destroy. Second truth is that a son has come and has been given, who has come to destroy the works of the enemy and to lead to everything that is life and life in abundance. And both of those truths create a landscape. They create a landscape. And the greater truth is that our world needs light. Our church, church, our world needs light and it needs the light that comes from choosing well in life. Remember Deuteronomy, I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. Choose life so that the landscape around you the landscape of your life, your family, your personhood, your calling, your destiny, the landscape of our church, Hillsong Church is one of light. Proverbs 4 verse 18 says, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. Isaiah 60 verse one says, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Verse two, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness or thick darkness, the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and your glory, His glory will be seen upon you. Verse three, here it is. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. 
And so Proverbs, it reminds us that you know what? The path that we tread, the path that we choose to tread in Christ becomes light for others. And Isaiah reminds us to arise and shine, to not be overwhelmed with darkness or gloom or despair, to not succumb, but rather to rise. Because yes, darkness shall cover the earth and darkness shall cover the people. But the Spirit of God says to us, arise and shine. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Second prayer, my second prayer today is that um, rather than unravel, we will find focus and momentum and passion in seeing Christ unveiled. Amen. Do you believe that, church? Do you know, I, I, don't, know if you, um, I don't know if you're in the habit of reading or loving the book of Revelation. But in essence, the book of Revelation um, is actually about Christ unveiled in our lives. And so I'm just going to do something different. I'm going to read the front end introduction to the Passion Bible. There goes my tissue. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to read the front end introduction, which is enlightening and beautiful. And so just listen to the tenor of Scripture and the tenor of a Christ revealed in our lives. So it says, Of all the 66 books that comprise the Bible, the last book is meant to thrill and accelerate the believers. A beautiful Christ is unveiled and an overcoming company of saints is seen rising into His fullness. The book of Revelation is exciting, powerful, dynamic and more than meets the eye. It can be more to us than merely an unveiling of events to come. It can be an experience of encountering Christ. Revelation is a glory book and requires a glory heart to receive it. The writer The translator says, God is ready to unveil this book to those who are ready to embrace it, eat it and live fully in the splendour of Christ. This is more than a vision given to John. It is meant to be an inward discovery, a delightful unveiling within us. Listen, church, this is not a drama of Satan's worst, but a supernatural drama of God's best pouring through His beautiful Son, Jesus Christ. Revelation is the unique deposit of the fullness of every truth in Scripture wrapped up in the person and the glory of Jesus Christ. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Revelation is the book of consummation. All things are made new as we are given, listen, a new name or a new nature, as we are given a new song or a new message, as we are given a new Jerusalem or a new realm of union with God as we're given a new heaven or a new government, as we're given a new earth and a new order and expression. The Bible ends with the passing away of all that is old and the establishment of all that is new. These symbols of deeper realities require, listen church, ears to hear and hearts to discern. Hearts to discern. And those are you know, fiercely magnificent words and again, church, I just want to encourage you. So I honestly believe that the greatest gift that um, we can give this current world is a revelation of Jesus Christ front and centre of our lives. That is the greatest gift. If, I, if we were talking today, you know, family and um, children, I would say to you that the greatest gift that I can give my children is to love their father. If we were talking um, leadership and church life, I would say that actually the greatest gift that I can give our church, Hillsong Church, is to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead you in that love. Well, in the like 
like men in the same way, the greatest gift that we can give this world right now is a revelation, a revelation, an unveiled revelation of Jesus front and centre of our lives. And you know what? I believe, church, that when we do, that when we do and if we do, that they will sense righteous empathy. If we do, they will sense righteous anger. If we do, they will actually sense righteous compassion. Empathy, anger, compassion. Do you know, it's one thing to be angry about things that are going on in the world, but it's another thing to not sin. And you know, righteous anger, righteous compassion, righteous empathy bear fruit. Every time Jesus was moved with compassion that was birthed in His heart, things happened, miracles happened, as many of you know. And so church, I just wanna encourage us to have discernment in these days, amen? Beautiful Christ-like discernment. I wanna encourage us, each and every one of us, to not forget um, what your first glimpse of Jesus Christ was like, what your first glimpse was like. Do you remember that? That first glimpse of an unveiled Christ. Because you know what, for me, I remember that. I remember in my personal moment of salvation, when I felt a choice, when God was laying before me, life and death, blessing and cursing, He was laying a choice before me. I sensed, I glimpsed Him. I glimpsed His presence. And I've told this many times, but while it felt like there was voices on this side that were mocking and cursing and diminishing and saying, this is a load of rubbish. This is a load of rubbish. You know what? On the other side, I sensed the presence of God. And I didn't see Jesus, but my spirit sensed Him and saw Him. He said nothing except just stood there with this look that was compelling, that was saying, come, come to me. And so I just wanna encourage you to not forget that in Jesus' Name. And you know, that one glimpse, talking about unveiling a Christ, a risen Christ, a beautiful Christ to this world, that one glimpse for me, it settled. It settled the storm in my heart. It dealt with the storm in my soul. It literally um, answered all the questions that were prevailing and swirling in my mind. And it set me on course, that one glimpse. So when we give people a glimpse of Christ, the risen Christ, the victorious Christ, the compassionate Christ, the good Christ, do you know what? It, it makes a difference to people. Emotional. And I don't know about you, church, but I, um, I want people to sense um, something different on my life. I don't know about you, but I wanna live in the shadow of the Almighty. I wanna live in the shadow of the Almighty so that His shadow becomes my shadow so that my shadow can actually, when people draw near, and I'm not perfect, none of us are perfect, but when they draw near, they actually feel and sense the presence of God. They, feel, they sense the healing and the touch of God like the, the apostles of old, just their mere shadow and people felt the presence of God and felt healing, amen. So here's the deal, church. <laughs> you're still with me. I know you're with me. Hallelujah. Um, you know what? Church, we can be um, agitated believers in an agitated world or we can be peacemakers in a world that needs truth that sets free. We can be agitated believers in an agitated world or we can be peacemakers that are living lives in a manner that lead to truth. And I, I want us, church, if I may, I want us to be humbled by salvation. You know, this gift of salvation that has been entrusted. I want us to be humbled by it and I want us to be grateful. Like eternally grateful for this gift that has been given. And I want us to allow the Holy Spirit to umpire our hearts and to lead us perfectly into the future. 
Isaiah 61, Spirit of God, Spirit of God present in Christ, the Spirit of God present in us, Christ in us. This is who we are, church. This is our mandate. This is our mission. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon us because He has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison doors to those who are bound. Verse two, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdresses um, instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and that He may be glorified. And here's the deal, here's the fruit, here's the landscape. Verse four, and they shall, with the Spirit of God upon them, hallelujah, they shall build up the ancient ruins, ruins and they shall raise up the former devastations and they shall repair the ruined cities or the ruined hearts and the devastations of many generations. Amen. I've got 20 seconds left. My third prayer, and it's going to be fast, is that um, rather than unravel, that we continue to lean into wise choice, hallelujah, and become all that He has purposed. Do you know what? Can I just remind us real quick, church, just touching here. Can I just remind us that sin, can I remind you, friend, that sin um, is a savage master that will always lead astray. Okay, a savage master. Make a choice between that and the living God. Can I remind that choice is a gift, church? It is a gift. So choose well and choose with care. Let's not squander one inch of that gift given in Jesus' Name. Can I remind that Christ um, has come to set us free? It is for the freedom of others that we have actually been set free. You might be listening this morning. You might feel uh, you need freedom in your own personal life. I wanna encourage you, if that's you, that there is a God in heaven who loves you. And you know, if you are sincere and you seek and search for Him and pick up this Word and put your hand up for help, you know, Psalm 130 verse 7 in the Passion says that He has a thousand ways to set you free. So take heart, amen. Can I remind us, church, that we are created for good works in Christ Jesus? Can I remind us, church, one more time as I bring this to a close, that we are created to be image bearers who lead people home. You know, last week I had the joy of chatting with Brooke Ledgerwood on my sisterhood thing that I do. And I asked Brooke, as I do ask all the people I, I chat with on those, I said, has there been a silver lining for you in this season? And she said, yeah, there has. She felt God speak to her and say, you know what, Brooke, your responsibility in these days is not to image make, but rather to image bear. For us to bear the image of Christ. And so as you know, I just bring this to a closed church. I just wanna encourage us all to find ourselves. I wanna encourage you to find yourself afresh Find yourself afresh in this Word and allow God to complete what He has begun. You know, who knows where this world is heading? None of us really know. But you know, I'm really hopeful and prayerful that we are heading into the greatest revival that this earth has ever seen. And my prayer is that um, you and I will be a part of that. That will be a living, breathing, vital part of that revival. Why? Because we have chosen not to allow our lives to unravel with a world that is unravelling, but rather we have chosen to allow God to keep working in our lives so that we can unfold His will in our lives, in our church, in our community. Amen.
and become all that He has called us to be in Jesus' Name. Amen. Do you believe that, church? Hallelujah. I love you, heart and soul. Do you know what? If you are struggling today with confusion, you feel a tangled mess in your heart and your soul, I'm going to pray in Jesus' Name that the peace of God will come to you right now where you're at the peace of God, that the Lord Jesus Christ will draw near. Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. You can close your Bibles and I'm going to ask you just to stay with me for one moment. And uh, we're just going to give people an opportunity to come to Christ, to make that critical, vital decision. You might be sitting here listening to me, thinking, I don't know that I have a relationship with this living God like you guys do. And I just want to encourage you that it is a gift of salvation to all humankind. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ came. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He came to bring life and life in abundance. And all you need to do is allow Him to come into your heart and your life. You just need to open your heart. So if that's you this morning, you're like, I I don't fully understand, but I want to, Pastor Bobby, I want to. Will you just pray this prayer with me? We're all gonna pray it all around the world in our lounge rooms. We're gonna pray this prayer with you, amen? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You that You have drawn me to this place of decision and choice. And this morning, Lord, I open my heart to You. Lord Jesus, I ask that You come into my heart that You come into my life. I ask that You you forgive me of sin and that You restore me to life. So this morning, Lord Jesus, I declare that You are the Son of God and I ask that You become Lord and Saviour of my life and that in doing so, Jesus, I am a new creation as Your Word declares. In Your Name, Amen. Amen. If you made that decision, that's the best decision that you will ever make. Church, I hope the Word has blessed you this morning. Amen. Pastoral heart here loving you. And um, I pray that you just have a great day and a great week. And we're going to see you shortly in Jesus' Name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.